0: You are now listening to The Model Health Show with Sean Stevenson. For more, visit themodelhealthshow.com. Welcome to The Model Health Show. This is fitness and nutrition expert Sean Stevenson, and I'm so grateful for you tuning in with me today. It's nearly impossible to burn significant amounts of fat without making this one key switch to your metabolism. On today's episode, Dr. Mindy Pels. Is going to fill you in on what this one key switch is and it might spark an aha moment that changes your life forever now before we get into this interview i want to tell you about one of the key enzymes that becomes more active when the process of fat loss is taking place we want to target fat we talk about fat loss but we don't really understand how the process happens with fat storage we have the interaction of insulin for example coming along and inciting the cell to open its door to add in some of the contents that are roaming around in our bloodstream. And we need to be thankful, obviously, for insulin being able to do its job, but we also wanna be able to unlock that cell to let the contents out so they can get burned for fuel potentially. Now I'm saying potentially because our latest data is revealing that about 70% of the fat that is released from our fat cells, a process called lipolysis, about 70% of that fat is reabsorbed somewhere else, all right? So it's not actually getting, quote, burned until it's delivered to the mitochondria. And there's a process called cellular respiration, a process called beta oxidation, all right? There's so many amazing things that the human body is able to do, but first and foremost, the priority for our cellular function is survival, all right? It's all gonna be based on what our bodies, our cells perceive we need in order to survive in order to elicit optimal function and so it's not a bad thing that things are getting reabsorbed it's just part of the process but we want to of course knock over that first domino right we can't start the process of fat loss without lipolysis and a key enzyme that incites our fat cells to release their contents is called hormone sensitive lipase or HSL Now, HSL is gonna be turned on through the metabolic switchover that Dr. Pell's is going to share with you. And it just happens automatically once we do this particular thing. Now, we've also recently discovered that there are some things nutritionally that we can actually take, that we can enjoy, that we can sip on, that can incite the activity of hormone-sensitive lipase as well. According to a study published in the journal Phytonutrient Research, this remarkable tea, storied, long storied tea that's been utilized for centuries, it's called puer, is one of the rare nutrient sources that has a direct, significant influence on this enzyme that unlocks our fat cells so that the contents can be used for fuel. Again, it's called hormone sensitive lipase. Now, what if we just happen to be talking about the subject of fasting? and intermittent fasting that's become so popular today in some circles. Now, society-wide, we still have a lot of work to do to provide adequate education around these subjects, but if we're going to be utilizing something like intermittent fasting, we wanna make sure that we're retaining our valuable muscle tissue and utilizing stored body fat for energy. And this is where a teacher like Dr. Mindy Peltz can come in to really guide us on the most practical ways to go about that. But interestingly enough, PUER is an effective adjunct to intermittent fasting because of its ability to support fat loss while protecting our valuable muscle tissue, as documented in a recent study featured in Clinical Interventions in Aging. Plus, to top it all off, the researchers found that PUER is proven to enhance our body's capacity to scavenge free radicals and eliminate cellular waste products. All right, this is an incredible tea, rich in microbiome supportive nutrients and polyphenols. And there's only one place that has the highest integrity that you should be getting your pu'er from. And it's a fermented pu'er that uses a patented cold extraction technology to really retain these bioactive compounds. And it's wild harvested. This is beyond organic. It's wild harvested, making it even more concentrated in the polyphenols that get the benefits that we've been talking about. Plus, it's triple toxin screened for the highest level of purity. I'm talking about the Puer from Peak Life. Go to peaklife.com forward slash model. That's P I Q U E lifecom E.com forward slash model, and you're going to get 10% off store wide. They have 20 delicious award winning teas. You get 10% off store wide. But right now, you can get access to one of their Puer bundles and get hooked up with up to 15% off, plus free shipping, plus a free quiver with 12 tea samples in it all right they are hooking you up again go to peaklife.com forward slash model that's p-i-q-u-e l-i-f-e.com forward slash model and now let's get to the apple podcast review of the week
1: another five-star review titled most understandable comprehensive research-based health information by jams83 The Model Health Show earns its five-star rating for many reasons. The format is user-friendly and well-organized. We admire the variety of guests he hosts with a broad range of topics. In addition to the superior guest and superb host, the Model Health Show site offers a summary of all podcasts with a list of available products that were referenced in the podcast, as well as the transcripts for each podcast. The Model Health Show is an exceptional program.
0: I felt that, That that's so incredible. Thank you so much for sharing that review over on Apple Podcasts. It truly means the world to me. And if you get to do so, please, whatever platform that you're listening on, leave a review for The Model Health Show. If you can leave a review or rate the show, it really does mean a lot. And on that note, let's get to our special guest and topic of the day. Dr. Mindy Pels is a best-selling author and renowned holistic health expert. Dr. Pels has made it a mission to empower everyday folks with health information to transform their bodies and their lives. Some of her high-profile clients include entertainers like Leanne Rimes, former race car superstar Danica Patrick, and actress Kat Graham. She's worked with Olympic athletes, Academy Award-winning actors. The list goes on and on. But again, her primary goal is to empower everyday folks to make positive choices with their health and wellness. Dr. Mindy's podcast, The Resetter Podcast is frequently ranked as one of the top 50 podcasts in the US. She's been featured on the TV show Extra, The Doctors, magazines like Parade and Muscle & Fitness. And now she's here on The Model Health Show to share her incredible insights. Let's dive in this conversation with the amazing Dr. Mindy Peltz, good to see you. Thank you for coming to hang out with us. Oh,
1: thank you for having me. I'm really excited for this. This is gonna be deep
0: deep yes keywords before we got started you know we're already getting very deep but i want to start off by talking about a wonderful analogy that you gave Mm -hmm. in your book connecting the human body to a hybrid car Mm -hmm. in many ways and it made complete sense when you shared that analogy what did you mean by that
1: yeah you know what has been so fascinating to me in just researching you know fasting and watching the application of it is that i don't know why it's taking us till 2023 to realize that we have two metabolisms Mm -hmm. and one of them we activate when we eat and one of them we activate when we don't eat and it's just like a hybrid car you know you've got the electrical piece and you have the gas piece and and our human body is like that Mm -hmm. but if you i mean you think about this like we have been debating nutrition and what's the best diet for the human and and it's taken us till this moment to go and there's another metabolism we need to pay attention to. We can't just focus in on nutrition. We have to be able to switch between sugar burner, fat burner, just like a hybrid car.
0: Mm. And also, of course, there's a different fuel essentially being used when we're going from one modality of consumption to not consuming. Can you talk a little bit about that as well?
1: Yeah. So you have to go about eight hours without food for your body to make this switch. So, when we eat, you know, we know our blood sugar goes up, glucose will go up, and then glucose starts to come down. And eight hours after it starts to go down, it will make this switch over into fat burning. And we get a whole nother actual fuel source, it's called a ketone. And the ketone now actually goes up into the brain, supercharges the brain, gives you more energy, supercharges your mitochondria, and all of a sudden you're now in this limitless hyperspeed sort of feeling. And the only way that the body can make a ketone is by burning fat. So when you stop and you think about that, you're like, wait, okay, when I eat, I'm burning sugar, and when I fast, I'm burning fat and the brain if we just look at the different body parts the brain it requires 50% sugar or what we call glucose and 50% ketones so if you are never putting yourself in this fat burning state you and never making ketones you're depriving your brain of 50% of its fuel source it's it like the more i talk about it the more i'm like why isn't everybody fasting why are we not tapping into this fuel source because not only can we lose weight and and stay in the shape we want to stay in but we can get this byproduct this ketone that can really supercharge our brain yeah it's a beautiful beautiful mechanism and
0: it's built in yeah you know that's yeah. so so powerful and i think it just fits into the model of our society today of why we're not doing it we're really inundated a program from a very early age to be constantly consuming, right? right? In my conventional nutrition classes in college, for example, we're force fed this idea. You see the puns here, (laughs) we're force fed this idea that your food is your energy. You yeah. need to keep eating your calories, their energy. Calories yeah. are energy, calories are energy. Yep. And so if you wanna have more energy, you need to eat something, right? You're yep. feeling that lull in the afternoon, eat something, eat a snack, right? right? It's the solution for everything. And also of course, food is a wonderful part of our reality. Of course. And it's also, again, we're conditioned to be constantly consuming. Food is associated with just about anything that you can name, yep. right? Graduation, food uh date food yep uh you know sporting event food everything is related to food Yep. and to be able to separate the two you know the the experiences of life from food is nearly impossible in our culture today and Mm -hmm. then to bring up the the fact of having a time when you're not eating like purposefully or intentionally Mm. it's very counterculture unfortunately but like you said Throughout society, throughout our history, throughout our evolution, humans have been doing this. Mm. And I think it was prior to us getting started where you're talking about all of these different religious texts you know, from a variety of different religions purposefully implementing some kind of fasting. Let's talk about that. Why is that?
1: Yeah, well, that's the whole spiritual side of fasting. And actually, it's interesting you bring this up because I just had a conversation with a pastor over the weekend. And we were talking about why Jesus fasted. And he said and these these were his words that jesus fasted to prepare his body for the difficulties that he knew were coming down the pipeline for him so and and the way i translated that was that when we put ourselves in this fasted state yes it can be hard but your body will build itself stronger so it's not just from a physical level but it's from a spiritual level And so what we've seen in the hundreds of thousands, millions of people now that we've watched go into these longer fasts is that there is a difficult moment and you learn to become more resilient. You learn to find different parts of yourself that you didn't even know were there. But then if you stay in that fast long enough, there is incredible spiritual insight that you will get. And the analogy that I always use is... I had uh, my daughter's 23 years old and when she went through a really difficult time during covid and you know with the being a college student Mm. and the pandemic was really tough and i we were really worried about her and i couldn't quite connect to her i couldn't get find her heart and my husband and i were debating do we need to bring her home from college like we knew something was off and so i fasted and i i just decided I was gonna search for the answer in a fasted state. And on the fifth day of the fast, I had this insight, she's gonna be okay, she's gonna be okay. And a week later, she called and asked if she could come home. And I think there, when you look at why all these religions go into this fasted state, it is it is not only quieting the mind so you can hear insight that will perhaps bring you peace, but it's also getting over that difficult, hard moment where you find new parts of your personality and new parts of your thinking. You can't get that with eating. You, you can't, I don't even think you can get that with like pushing your body physically, maybe on a, maybe on a, a climb, you know, climbing up a a tall mountain or some kind of physical endeavor. But there's a real inner journey that can happen when you fast that I haven't seen with anything else.
0: Yeah, it's kind of clearing a lot of the static off the line, Yes. right? And if you think about another, framework which is something like Ramadan for example, which yeah. would be akin more to like an intermittent fast
1: yes yeah you know? or a dry fast actually a lot of, we yeah. we have a lot of great research from Ramadan around the what dry fasting can do.
0: Can you articulate that a little bit more?
1: yeah so and, and I don't I didn't write about dry fasting and, and fast like a girl because it, it gets abused but Ramadan is um, no food no water. So that's what a dry fast is, Mm -hmm. is you're not even drinking water. And they do it for sunup to sundown. So we have about a 12 hour period where we can see what is happening, and it's done obviously over 30 days, what is happening to the body in this dry fasted state. It's pretty profound. Mm -hmm. Uh, BDNF is a big piece that we see higher levels of this brain uh, fertilizer that can happen in a dry fast and we only and you also we have some great studies about the uh, weight loss when you go dry fasting 12 hours every single day for 30 days. Some of the greatest research ever done on women has been done around Ramadan because right. it's there's such a long history of it and yeah. they're doing it for for 30 days and then once we started to study that we started to see more and more of the benefits of all kinds of fasting but that's what they brought us was dry fasting.
0: Right, right, and It's again, it's been done for so long. Yeah. And there's something I wanna circle back to that you said earlier that's so profound. If you think about, again, if we're constantly consuming, we're not really getting a chance to shift over into this other yeah. metabolism, right? So yeah. our body can actually utilize stored energy, stored fat. If we're constantly consuming and we think in our culture the way to get to that fat burning opportunity is to burn off more calories right so go and work out more right sweat it out whatever but again it's kind of like you're trying to outrun a highly caffeinated cheetah right it's like (laughs) you can't really you know there's a saying of course that you can't out train a bad diet Mm -hmm. but you can't out train constant consumption
1: yeah it's so well said. I, I, yeah, I mean, we w- there's so many places you can go with this overconsumption society that we're living in. And it's not just overconsumption of food, but it's overconsumption of information. Yeah. And so we are becoming dopamine saturated. And then we go searching for the next dopamine hit and the next dopamine hit. So one of the interesting things that we know about fasting is that it is a dopamine reset. And, and depending on how long you go, in the book I talk about a 48-hour fast, we can actually see dopamine uh, receptor sites, new ones emerge. But it is when you rest from food you start to see that all these addictions, whether it's, I need to eat because I'm not feeling well, or I need to check my phone because maybe somebody liked a post that I put. There's all, or maybe I'm gonna sit on my couch and just have DoorDash deliver me food. All of that is an overconsumption in my, in my book. And so when you go into a fasted state, it's like taking the noise of the world and you're just going in and getting to know yourself. And the beautiful thing about fasting is only you can do it. So, I, so I, the, I have millions of people that like, leave me comments about how my teachings has helped them. And all I do is sit back and go, I just gave you the information. Mm-hmm. You had to step in and do it. And there's a self pride that comes with that. Yeah. But we've got to back away from over consumption of everything to get that peaceful, internal connection to
0: ourselves. This is so good. So before we got started, you also mentioned Michael Beckwith, yeah. and he was sitting in this chair that you're sitting in right now, and he's talking about mind fasting, mm, right? And yeah. You just gave another great analogy, which is we're overfed or over-consuming information, we, absolutely. Right? constantly bringing this stuff in, yeah. and we never get a chance to really metabolize things to be able to eliminate, right? Yep. Just like with our digestive system, to be able to eliminate those things that are not necessary to metabolize, assimilate what's fitting for us and to let go yep. of what's not. We're basically becoming mentally constipated, in a That's sense. That's a
1: great like, way to say right? it, right? Yep. So, yeah. Yeah, awful. and it, you know, I, as an author, I don't know if you, if you go through this process, but um, I'm in the process of writing my next book and I'm finding that I'm putting the phone down more I'm stopping the constant influx of information because I need to just sit with the information that's moving through me. And if we're always putting it in, there's no room for it for our brain to just let it sort of pan out in our own mind and let ourselves daydream and let ourselves just sort of open up our thoughts. Mm -hmm. And this is what I love about fasting is when you take food out of the equation, in the beginning, the mind is squawking at you. It will tell you and you'll start to see your relationship to food really, really quickly. And you start to see those thoughts that no longer serve you. They come to the surface and you are they're there for you to either release or to work through. But you can't get that if you're constantly putting food in your mouth. you, you It's like you're constantly giving yourself a dopamine hit. And you, you almost don't know yourself Mm. and fasting is a door in to understanding what's holding you back, what thoughts you need to overcome, how resilient you are. And then there's this peace that comes over and a knowing you get to just see yourself from a whole new angle. It's, it's, it's incredible I, I I each time I talk about it I'm like why is not why is the world not doing this
0: yeah just look at the results right you know look at our state of health and, and mental health yeah in our society today is because we're not doing these things that in many ways we also talked about Bruce Lipton we talked about so much before we got started <laughs> we talked about Bruce Lipton as yeah. well and I would believe that our genes expect us to do these things. Like our genes are really primed for that. You also mentioned this in the book as well, our thrifty genes, right? And just kind of how we evolved. Our genes have not changed dramatically in the last 10,000 plus years, but yet what we're fed, another idea that we're force fed, which is crazy, this is happening. Just even recently, it's been a shift back to Obesity is caused primarily by your genetics. Right. Right? You saw that stuff, you know, 60 yes. Minutes report and all that stuff. It's just it's so unfortunate.
1: Yeah. You know, the oh, I have so much to say on the on say where we're, where we're going with obesity. And and here's 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 I'm going to kindly say this that we can't normalize obesity. We can't. Just because more people are becoming obese that doesn't mean that that's the path that humans are supposed to go. Now, I will t- what I say is that if you are look in the mirror, you're carrying extra weight and you love your body, you are, you are not saying mean things to yourself when you look in the mirror and your blood work shows me that your hemoglobin A1C, your glucose, your insulin, your CRP, all your metabolic markers are okay, then I don't care how much weight you're carrying but that's not happening. And so we're normalizing obesity meanwhile people are not feeling good in their own skin and we have this metabolic mess that the world is in that is not only contributing to all of our healthcare expend, you know, increases but we could take it down to covid and the immune system you got to have your metabolic balance in order in order for your immune system to be up in order for your brain to function right in order for you to stay off medications metabolic health is at the core of everything we need to do as humans to prevent disease to stop the acceleration of this chronic disease issue that we've got in our in our country so i'm I'm not a fan of, of normalizing obesity, as, and I know that's not, like, I want to be compassionate to humans that I'm not saying everybody needs to be a certain number on the scale, but we do have a responsibility to try to be the best version of ourselves metabolically that we can yeah. in order to stay out of of the disease care system.
0: Yeah, it's, it's not just hearsay or theory. This is putting our bodies into a very dangerous state. That's right. When you're venturing into being significantly overweight or obese. Yeah, It's a primary causative agent for nine of the 10 leading causes of death in the United States. Right, And there's even a strong connection to the 10th one as well, which is accidents. I just Mm. shared recently on an episode of the show, and we'll put one of the uh, studies up for folks, but even being in a car accident, for example, folks that are, in that obese BMI range mm-hmm. have like 60% higher risk of severe injuries or severe outcomes, even in the context of having yeah. an automobile accident. And it's because of how our immune system is responding. That's, right? Oh, so and so when we are in this kind of already chronic state of inflammation, our immune system is just in a tizzy because these fat cells are sending out a false distress signal, essentially, that we're, we're carrying an infection yeah. constantly. This is not okay it's not safe it's not a safe state to be in no now we're saying the same thing again here this is not about all of us fitting into some silly ass cookie cutter like right. we're supposed to have some kind of body type or whatever exactly it's not about that it's about us being healthy yeah and we know we know what that means We know what it's like when a family member or ourselves are venturing into obesity we know we're not we're, we know we're not in a state where, we're feeling good, tending tending to not feel good good about ourselves, but also yeah. dramatically increasing the risk of things going wrong, whether it's with our heart health, whether it's with, you know, diabetes, vision loss, the list goes on and on and on. Yeah. And so what we want is to create a condition or culture where health is normalized.
1: That's right. Right.
0: Right now we're living in a culture where just within the next five years here now, we're looking at fifty percent obesity yeah. rate in the United States. That's yeah. insane. Right. But it's genes that's causing it, right? That's that's the framework that we're going back to again, which yeah. is so unfortunate because if it was a genetic issue, this would have happened a long time ago because right. our genes don't change like that fast. What's changed is our environment that's the right. last 40-50 years. Yep. It's not our genes.
1: Yep. So. yeah it's so well said and i and that is i think you bring up such a valid point that we as a culture we have to just stop for a moment and say the goal is not to all look you know fit into our skinny jeans that's not the goal but the goal is to be metabolically healthy and i don't know i think genetically we all our metabolic health will have a different number on the scale Right. Um, and so we, we got to get away from the scale, which is why I love glucose monitors and I love lab work, yearly lab work. Like hemoglobin A1C is a phenomenal thing to look at on a yearly basis. If your hemoglobin A1C is over five, what that means is your red blood cells are gooked up with glucose molecules, like gum on the outside of, of that red blood cell. And what that red blood cell's purpose is doing to your whole body is it's delivering oxygen to your brain, to your to your organs, to every part of your body. So if it's gummed up with glucose and sugar, that's a process called glycation, then it can't get oxygen to certain parts of your body, which means those parts are gonna to start to decay. So if we just took hemoglobin A1C and used that as our measurement of, of health we would totally change the direction that humans are going, but instead we're we're using the scale. We're we're normalizing higher numbers. I mean, I can even say when I go into stores to buy clothes now, the you know the 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 size I used to be actually now is completely different because all of the clothes is getting bigger and bigger and bigger, and we're changing just the size alone to fit this obesity issue that's happening. And it, it's at so many levels we need to shake this up and come back to some normalcy around metabolic health.
0: Yeah. You know, I feel that whenever a problem is presented,
1: mm-hmm. there's a
0: solution that's like it's two two sides of the same coin. Yeah. And so having platforms like this and what you've created as well, at the same time, there's like this grow this surge, this growing number of people who are connecting with this kind of information. Are being, becoming more empowered, who are transforming their health, yep. looking out for their family in a different way, and, and uplifting their communities, right? Yep. So, although things look a little bit bleak, yep. you know, there's also so much good happening at the same time as well. Yeah. And, and just to pivot back really quickly with this tie in with, the, again, 10 leading causes of death in the United States Alzheimer's. Mm-hmm, yep. We've got obviously heart disease is the champion yep. pretty much every year for many years, cancer. I've got a family member who was recently diagnosed with uh, an endometrial cancer. Mm-hmm. And being obese, there's a seven times higher risk of endometrial cancer. Wow. And she's been obese for decades. Yeah. Right. And it is probably the most connected as far as all the different types of cancer, which there's two times higher risk of breast cancer, two to three times. The list goes on and on. Yeah. But in particular, for that form of cancer, it's so tied to obesity. But yet, when I talk with her physician, and i asked so what do you think the cause is of this cancer he's like well we don't really know you know it's probably genetics <laughs> this asshole didn't even he didn't do a gene I panel was just gonna he say. didn't he didn't look at her genetics he just said it yeah right he didn't talk about the fact that she's been obese for decades yeah. he didn't he didn't talk about the fact that she's been eating processed foods and soda like drinking soda like it's water for decades yeah. and she's been smoking since she was 12 years old yeah So decades, he didn't talk about any of that stuff or the trauma that she's gone through in her life again and again and again. And it's so unfortunate because again, we're in these positions of power to influence in a way that's truly empowering and efficacious. But we also have to understand that our physicians are not trying oftentimes to do harm. But We have to be more mindful of the words that we're using and also really being truly evidence-based not just throwing out these cookie cutter things and so with that said i want to talk about some of the cookie cutter things you call out in your book you talk about the failed five Mm. right so these different when we're wanting to get healthy Mm. we're wanting to get our weight under control these are the things we tend to turn to yeah but again you call them the failed five so let's go through some of these number one is calorie restriction diets
1: yeah calorie restriction ah my favorite one to go after I think the easiest way to understand calorie in calorie out is that what we've been doing in the weight loss movement is we've been trying to bring our calories down and exercise more. So we have more of a calorie output and less of a calorie input. And what that does is it changes your set point. So the example that I use is if you are eating a thousand calories every single day and you are exercising, Five hundred. Then all of a sudden, and that's pretty low. But your 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 out your set point is five hundred. Is the delta of five hundred calories? In order to stay at the weight you want, you have to constantly every day make sure that you stay at a thousand calories coming in, and that you output five hundred in order to keep your weight where you want it to be and it's called a set point. Uh, Jason Fung was the first one in obesity code that brought that to our attention, that this is why diets don't work. You go on, you restrict your calories, you change your set point, and then you go on vacation, and now your set point is at 2,000 calories. You're not working out, you're eating more, and you gain weight. So we, the calorie in, calorie out doesn't work. Weight loss is a hormonal issue. It is not a calorie issue.
0: Mm. poor food quality is another one of the failed five
1: yeah so all of the you know diet foods out there are just full of toxins and fake food the the fake food issue in our country is it is is beyond sad like we have to change the quality of food the fact that i can't walk into a grocery store and know that the food i'm going to buy and eat is safe mm. that is completely uh, like it should it should be of uh, disturbing to all of us and i'm sure you've seen like the fda the joke is that the f is silent in the fda that they don't care about food. And it's really true that they just let all these kind of ingredients get put in there. But when you have a fake ingredient in your food, the human body doesn't know what to do with that. So it stores it as fat. It pushes it to areas that it's gonna store as fat. So we've gotta get back to better quality food.
0: Yeah, it's going back to that principle of not being able to metabolize certain things. Yeah and especially we're introducing something that our genes our cells really have no association with through our evolution. Yep. And so you're bringing in some random, you know, synthetic ingredient and your body's just going to do what it can to yeah. keep you safe, you know, it's going to yep. tuck it away and try and figure it out later. Your liver is taking the brunt of this. Yep. And of course, you know, the fat cells themselves really again kind of in some ways respectfully functioning as a glorified Waste disposal can yeah. for a lot of things. In particular, you know, we'll put this study up for everybody to see as well. And if you, of course, if you're watching on the YouTube version, if you're not watching <laughs> on YouTube, come over to the Model Health Show YouTube channel. But this particular study found that when folks are losing weight, they're also releasing these toxins, these toxicants that are, you know, in, this, in really surprising numbers. That the researchers were wondering, like, is this safe? to lose weight rapidly because of all the toxicants that are getting released from the fat cells if yep. somebody's losing weight.
1: So so I wanna point out one thing, cause this is, this you, you said it so well. When we have extra weight on us and we look in the mirror and we say bad things to ourselves, we're like, oh, I don't like the way my hips are, my gut, whatever it is, when we look in the mirror, what we're not saying is that the your body put those toxins in fat to save your life. So actually the intelligence of the body is trying to save you. So instead of taking all these fake ingredients and putting it in your gut and put it into your organs, the body's so smart, it says, I'm gonna store it around your hips, I'm gonna put it in the back of your arm. For women, I'm gonna put it in your breasts. So it's trying to push it into other areas. And yet we look at ourselves in the mirror and we villainize that. But it's an incredible mechanism of the body to be able to handle what's going on in the quality of our food. Exactly, yeah. So when we look at like the mind shift that can happen, this is one thing I do with the women and men on our platform, is I try to get them to stop saying such harsh things to themselves around the extra weight they take and start to see that it was just a mechanism the body did to save itself. Exactly. So now let's lovingly show the body, let's go back to good quality food, and it'll start to release all of that.
0: Exactly. I love that. It's an adaptation.
1: Yeah, it's an adaptation. It's an
0: adaptation for our bodies to function and keep you alive and function to the best of its capacity yep. under unideal circumstances. That's right. You know, And that's the same thing with any disease label that we can put on things, mm-hmm. which no two people have the same obesity, no two people have the same diabetes, no two people have the same heart disease. But we tend to see these symptom clusters and we put a label on the thing. Mm-hmm. But it's really, you know, even with diabetes, your body is altering the way that it's functioning with this constant glucose flood from the exposures that it's been dealing with. And so it's shifting over things to keep you alive again under unideal circumstances. And actually one of the things that you talk about in your book is how this is brought about by essentially the cells become deaf to insulin's cry or insulin's signal. Yep. And I thought that was a great analogy.
1: Yeah, it's it's a lot like, you know, when you're trying to get your kids to do something and you tell them over and over and over again, eventually they don't hear you. And the cells are the same way. When you're making insulin constantly, six, seven times a day, I've, I've seen this in so often where you'll see these glucose spikes when people put a continuous glucose monitor on. And it's like these spikes go up and down six, eight times a day. And each time it goes up, there's a flood of insulin. And the more floods of insulin, the more the cells are like, I, I can't I can't take it. They're, talk about overwhelmed now. Yeah. They're in this state of like, I no more, I can't pull any more in. So then again, the body's so intelligent, it has to store all the extra insulin, all that glucose that can't get into the cell. So it starts pushing it to fat.
0: Mm, right, and also, And here's our conventional approach to it. So to use that analogy of the cells becoming deaf to the the sound of insulin, it's sort of like going to a concert, or living at a concert, right next to the speaker, right? And just over time, like it's blasting this sound. And so subtle sounds are no longer gonna be easy to hear over time, right? So the subtle response of insulin. And so conventional medicine would say Let's blast it even louder. Right. So you can hear this, thus bringing in more insulin, yep. in the form of, you know, an injectable form of insulin, yep. so that your cells can get this signal. It's just like, let's I know that a loud sound caused this, but let's make it louder.
1: That's right. That's right. Which again is why fasting's so great because what happens is all of a sudden you turn the sound off. And like the cells can start to see, okay, wait we are inflamed, we are congested with insulin, these receptor sites aren't open, I stored glucose and insulin somewhere else. It's like all of a sudden that pause moment lets the cellular healing start. And the the concert analogy is brilliant because if that music is constantly coming in, there's no way that you can even think of your own thoughts.
0: Mm, Right.
1: The cells are the same way. They don't know how to heal themselves. If we keep these insulin glucose spikes going all day long, at some point they shut down and they don't know how to repair themselves. So fasting gives them that pause, like turning the music off. That was a really, I've never used that analogy before. I'm gonna use it that way. That was great.
0: Yeah, and of course, like what is that music that's blasting too, you know what I mean? that goes back to the mind piece of this mm-hmm. as well you know not being able to hear what's going on internally yep. instead it's like blasting ice spice or you know i don't know what people listen to out here yeah, but just blasting things that might not even be serving to you right? right and shout out to ice spice no disrespect <laughs> got a quick break coming up we'll be right back there's a natural ebb and flow of our body temperature throughout the day and through our evolution, there's a natural drop in our core body temperature at night to help us to facilitate sleep. Certain hormones are released, certain enzymatic processes for repair, certain things change in our brain when our body temperature is going down in the evening, in association with the nocturnal pattern of life itself here on Earth. When things start to get darker, our core body temperature goes down. It's how we evolved. Now, today we can throw a glorified monkey wrench into that natural process. And what the research indicates is that one of the primary things underlying insomnia is an inability for our body temperature to be regulated, specifically in the evening. We're seeing folks with chronic sleep issues having a much higher core body temperature at night. And this was highlighted by a study that was published in the American Journal of Physiology. Now a new study with this in mind was just conducted and it included 32 participants and they were recruited into a three week clinical trial to see if supporting thermal regulation with their bedding can help to improve their sleep quality. Now the researchers took subjective and objective data monitoring their sleep with devices to see the impact of their sleep conditions. And so the researchers utilized some bamboo lyocell sheets that support thermal regulation, that are antimicrobial, that are moisture wicking. And they found that by sleeping on these sheets, the study participants had a 1.5% improvement in their sleep efficiency. What does that mean? What does that equate to? That's equating to an additional 7.2 more minutes of restorative sleep per night. Now, what if we stretch that out? We're talking 43 extra hours of sleep per year. They're still doing the same activity, still in the same bed, but not getting optimal sleep. There's a difference between getting restorative sleep and just being unconscious or just being in the bed. This simple thing, just what we're sleeping on, can improve our sleep quality. By the way, subjectively, so that was the objective data, subjectively, the participants found that their mental alertness during the day, following sleeping on these sheets, improved by 25%. And overall, 94% of people prefer sleeping on these sheets versus whatever else they were doing before that. Now, these sheets are from Etitude, and these are my favorite. I love these sheets so much. I didn't know that this was even a thing. I didn't know that this existed, that this mattered so much. But once you sleep on these sheets, you truly understand why. They're free from harmful chemicals, irritants, allergens, they're hypoallergenic, and also they're self-deodorizing, they inhibit bacterial growth, they're breathable, moisture wicking, also supports thermoregulation, but something truly special because I love these sheets so much, I actually reached out and connected with these folks and I got a 15% off discount for our audience here. So go to Etitude.com forward slash model. That's dot com forward slash model. Use the code model15 at checkout. Get yourself some of these incredible sheets. And these are a great gift as well, by the way. I get these sheets for friends all the time. I love them so much. And also, they're giving you a 30-night sleep trial. So you get the opportunity to sleep on them, think on them, dream on them. If you don't love them, just simply send them back for a full refund. Go to attitude.com forward slash model. Again, that's E-T-T-I-T-U-D-E dot com forward slash model. Use the code model fifteen. Altogether at checkout for fifteen percent off. Now back to the show. Now moving on, we've got the failed five. We've covered calorie restriction diets, poor food quality. The other one is spiking cortisol surges.
1: Yeah, so this is a big one that I saw in all the people that poured onto my YouTube channel. I. I was teaching the principles of metabolic switching, showing people how to regulate blood sugar better and pairing that with a fasting window so that they can be a better fat burner. And it, I, you know, from the research, from my clinical experience, I know that metabolic switching in and out of sugar burner, fat burner will get people to lose weight. But there was this one little subset of, of people that were doing everything right and they were not getting the result. Yeah. And so I went digging for why is that and every single one of them were living a high stressed life. And this is the, this is another problem with the calorie in calorie out. It's so rigid that it spikes cortisol so high or the person who decides they're gonna over-exercise, it's more cortisol spikes. When the body senses a constant influx of cortisol, it thinks it's running from a tiger. And when it's running from a tiger, it is not going to drop weight. I, I was just on a call with a woman yesterday. She actually a month ago told me that she was gonna do, she was on some kind of extreme workout where she wanted to do a 10K every day for 30 days. And it, you know, she told me that that was her goal a month ago. And I was in, you know, in admiration that she would take on such a big goal. But she said to me, I'm hoping that this is gonna help me drop weight. So she starts training for this way and I, I get on the call with her yesterday, a month after she declares she's going to do this. She's upped her training. She's only eating one meal a day and I can visibly see that she's gained weight and she looks at me and she says, it's not working. I'm, ga- I'm gaining more weight and I just looked at her and I said, here's what I want you to do. I want you to go back to eating three meals a day and I want you to stop working out so much because you are constantly putting cortisol into the system your body thinks it's under threat a threat it doesn't feel safe it's not going to lose weight so we can even take all this extreme good that we have identified as a health habit and we can overdo it raising cortisol making it so much harder to get a weight loss result
0: uh, this is another reason why I'm here with you right now um, we we talked a little bit about this before the show as well but you know, if we're going to be truly efficacious and effective in helping people, we have to be honest about the results. And you just said it, a certain percentage of people were not getting the results everybody else was getting. And so even though I elevated my teaching and design support, personalizing things for the patients I was working with, the same thing with exercise, I was still trying to monitor and tweak exercise and food. right? And it wasn't until I paid attention to their sleep and stress yeah. that everything changed. Yeah. We started getting results across the board. Yeah. And it's so unfortunate because part of the problem is people can be, you, just, you said these exact words, doing everything right, doing so much right, yeah. but yet not getting the results because of the chronic stress they're dealing with. And we That's don't right. really get that. We could stress our way into poor health. We can yeah. stress our way into obesity, truly because it changes the way that your metabolism is working.
1: Yeah, you know, at the core of this is safety. The body has to identify that it's safe in order for everything you wanna do with your health to work right. If the body feels that it's being attacked, it will start to go into a crisis mode. And we see this with thyroid problems. The thyroid will completely shut down when it feels like it's not safe. We see this with sex hormones, like you know, one of the big things I saw with women that were doing so much fasting, they started losing their periods, and it was because the cortisol was so high that progesterone couldn't couldn't really make her appearance. So she, you wouldn't get shed the uterine lining to be able to have a period. Everything has to come back to the body has to feel safe and loved, in order for all your health habits to work right. So when we look at the at the person who is in this rigid diet place, who is over exercising, who is saying horrible things to themselves, who is who is constantly working on social media, you know, everything we're seeing in our culture right now, the body's not safe. And so it's almost like we have to do less to get a better result because of the way the modern world is
0: right now that's it's so counterculture to say that so
1: counterculture
0: but it's the truth you know some of the most powerful things you can do for yourself is to do nothing yeah right like i.e getting some sleep you know but we think we gotta go and fight we gotta you know and of course there is a facet in our reality of putting in work yes but we also need to recover and we even know a certain mechanism why stress is doing this and why it can change even how your body's associating with calories. So yep. this goes back to the first one with this, which is so, at this point, why are we talking about this calorie in calorie out model? It's so stupid, it's, crazy. it's antiquated, but researchers at Yale University, we'll put one more thing up for people <laughs> to see. They discovered that, we, we know this, everybody's been saying this the last few years, the vagus nerve is communicating mm-hmm. data back and forth between the brain and the gut. Mm-hmm. But what they found was that The vagus nerve is also sending back and forth information about the amount of energy that we have stored in the body, Mm -hmm. nutrients, and based on your brain's assessment of your needs, it can change by lowering or increasing your body's absorption of the calories you're consuming, right? So based on your brain's perception of what you need. It can literally decrease the amount of calories you're absorbing from the meal that you're eating or increase it, right? And so what if you have neuroinflammation, right? Which uh, Albert Einstein College of Medicine, these folks found that carrying excess body fat increases inflammation in the brain. Insulin resistance increases inflammation in the brain. And brain inflammation increases body fat and increases insulin resistance like it's this vicious circle. It's a vicious cycle. And so what yeah. how what is the fastest way to to remedy this situation? Step back. Yes. Do nothing. And yes. this is where your work comes yeah, in.
1: Yeah, I was going to say and that is at at the root of what fasting is. It is it's an opportunity to fully pause and honor the wisdom inside the body that knows better than you know, knows better than your fitness trainer, better than your doctor. That wisdom is existing in in all of your cells but you're gonna have to step away from food for a moment to access that wisdom. And it's it's like in this oversaturated world, it is so needed right now that we have these pauses so that the body and the brain can start to get to know itself, so the cells can start to in, it, it tap into that wisdom. But we have no, this modern world keeps getting more complicated and there's more stressors. And, and, and here's what's really interesting to me, and I just thought about this now, is one of the things that happens when ketones go up is GABA goes up. And so GABA is the calming neurotransmitter. So what a lot of people notice when they fast is they think they're gonna get more and more stressed out as the hours go on, but they actually get calmer and calmer as ketones go on. Why would the body do that? It's because it's like a thank you to the to you and to your cells to say, okay, food hasn't come in. We're gonna calm the system down so we can take an evaluation here of what needs to be repaired.
0: Yeah. Like, oh, this is so powerful.
1: We're so brilliant. Yeah. We're, and we didn't we didn't have to you didn't have to spend any money. You didn't have to do anything other than just calm for a moment, learn how to go into this fasted state. And now this incredible neurochemical reaction mm-hmm. happens that you can't get from your cup of coffee, from your from your supplement, from your medication. You can only get it in when you put yourself in a fasted state.
0: My mother-in-law is going to love this because she's like, this was an aha moment while reading your book is that the longer you fast, the easier it is yeah. to fast. Like you just... You just kind of click in and you just have this clarity you're not worried about food anymore and you're okay it's not even that you're okay like things tend to the 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 vision you know like everything's just seems to become more clear i was going to use a volume analogy but like all of your senses like right now i'm having images of spider-man you know like you have this like superpower access in a sense, like all mm-hmm. your senses become more heightened and you become more aware. And I wanna circle back actually, we'll, we'll talk about this in a moment because I wanna finish this, but I wanna talk about some of those specific benefits that we yeah. see when fasting. But just to close things out with the failed five, exposure, number four is exposure to toxic ingredients, which you talked about a little bit already, obesogens. Yeah,
1: obesogens, yeah. Yeah. Do you know, I don't know if you know this from the books you've written, but on Amazon it'll tell you what on the, the ebook, what the most highlighted sections were. And I've been blown away that one of the most highlighted sections in Fast Like a Girl is about obesogens. And I I take that as indication that we don't understand because yeah. what do you the reason you highlight something in a book mm. is because you're like, wow, that is new information. I want to come back and revisit it. Yeah. So the crazy thing about obesogens is it's in the plastic water bottles. It's in your phthalates and your colognes and your air fresheners. There's it's in pesticides as an obesogen.
0: Clothes.
1: Clothes. Microplastics in your clothes
0: the The off-gassing
1: of your of your you know new furniture your
0: carpets your bedding yeah you know like we can't get away from this stuff so and
1: and that part is the part that i is like shame on the chemical industry we are we are literally killing humans right now because of all of these chemicals that are out there and we don't even realize it so toxins that's why i had to put it in the failed five it was like who would ever think that maybe that cologne you've been wearing for years and years and years is actually now caught up to you and is blocking receptor sites and affecting or making you insulin resistant.
0: Mm, that Axe body spray is yeah. cutting off your ability to burn fat. Yep. This Axe. Guys, I hope you got that. That's great. <laughs> so listen, you know, again, but this is, this is another great thing about your work. You circle it back to empowerment because mm-hmm. we wanna be aware that things, these things are happening, yep. but we live in the world. And if we give our bodies the opportunity, we can adapt far better, yes. right? And again, be able to give our organs and our cells the opportunity to properly metabolize the stuff that we're going to be exposed to. And this isn't to say you can't have your smell good, whatever, but if you got that plus the 20 other chemicals you know, com- chemical complexes, not just sing- singular chemicals, but with the body washes and the deodorants yep. and all this stuff that are, you know, coming along with all these newly invented synthetic chemicals that are not tested by the the letter, the letter guys, the letterman folks, the FDA, you know? <laughs> and, um, you know, but here's the thing, again, when it boils down to it, we have the opportunity to improve. So the final one here with the failed five is one size fits all approaches, yeah. which we've been uh, um, unpacking a little bit yeah. already.
1: It's such a it's such an important point because what do we do as a culture, especially as women, what we do is we watch a friend go on a diet and we're like, oh, that worked for you? Okay, I'm gonna do that. Or I see it a lot in like heterosexual couples where all, they'll start to fast together and the husband, because men can drop weight much quicker with fasting than women. And all of a sudden, the woman's like, wait a second, you're fasting 15 hours, you're, you just lost 20 pounds, and I've been doing the same fasting, and I've only lost a pound. And then we turn on ourselves, and we think it's our fault, we think we were, something we're doing is wrong. But there's only one way to great health, and it's your way. And you're gonna have to find that, which is not the easy answer. It's much easier for me to write a book saying, here's the cookie cutter formula on how you should lose weight. But that's not what Fast Like a Girl was. It was, it's a, here are your options. Here's what you're gonna need to play with. Now go play with it and see what kind of result you get but please get your head out of the diet your friend's doing or your husband's doing or what the commercials are saying because you've gotta find your rhythm. And I don't know where we thought there's a one-size-fits-all diet approach.
0: It's the marketing, you know? Yeah. And if you could, this is a good spot to dive in and talk about this, fasting like a girl, and what are some of the things to consider for women when it comes to fasting as opposed to men. Again, we tend to have this one-size-fits-all approach. These protocol, general protocol, is gonna tend to work better for most men consistently. You know, not a one-size-fits-all, but less tweaking, less things to pay attention to. What are some of the factors to consider for women?
1: Yeah, I think the biggest difference between men and women that I'm trying to bring to the world is that men are really driven by one hormone, testosterone and you all get pulses of testosterone in a 24 hour cycle. In fact, they believe like every 15 minutes you're getting a pulse of testosterone. Testosterone will go up to the brain and convert into estrogen. So when we look at a man's body, all you've got to think about is, okay, let me make testosterone and all the other hormones will come into play. And when we look at fasting, it's 13 hours, 15 hours, you all can get an increase of about a 1,300% increase in testosterone, 24 hours of a fast, and we see a 2,000 increase in testosterone in a man's body. It's very simple. Women, we're not that way. So we have three hormones, and they're all made within the ovaries. So we have to tend to all three of these hormones. Testosterone's one of them, obviously, estrogen and progesterone. But where fasting started to trip up a lot of women is that estrogen loves when you fast. Estrogen wants glucose to be lower, wants insulin to be down. When you go into the keto diet, when you go into a fasted state and you're trying to glorify estrogen and make her you know, bring in more estrogen, like menopausal women or perimenopausal women, um, fasting's amazing and it will really help that journey into beyond your 40s with perimenopause and menopause. But progesterone's completely the different, is the opposite. If you bring glucose too low, you won't make enough progesterone. And progesterone is what sheds that uterine lining and allows you to have a period. Progesterone also stimulates GABA and keeps you calm. So what I noticed on my YouTube channel was there was a pattern with all these people doing one meal a day, which came out of Jason Fung's work, The Obesity Code. He got this whole the whole world fasting. They were losing tons of weight, but women were losing their hair. They were losing their periods. Anxiety was going through the roof. And those were the women that were doing one meal a day over and over and over again, never varying it. So they tanked their progesterone. And so they lost their cycle and now all of a sudden their whole health was out of balance. So it's really progesterone that's the problem. And what has been so interesting to me with the book coming out is how many 20 and 30 year olds right now don't have a period. And that, is a, that is a, should be of major concern to all of us. And largely it's because cortisol's going up. These women are in more calorie restrictions so or bringing blood sugar down and progesterone's out. out. It, it can't show up. And now we've got anxiety through the roof. We've got cycles that are off. We've got a major health problem because of progesterone. That's the one that has to be different when we fast.
0: Wow. Now, again, I know that this is not going to be a specific across the board recommendation, but if we can just give a general for women who are experiencing a cycle still, mm-hmm. and which all, again, all women are still, all of us, even men have cycles in some way. That's right, yeah. But we're just talking about a, a 28, we'll just say a 28 day menstrual cycle. Yep. So during the phase, when does it change when we have the progesterone needing to start to rise, what adjustment would be made at that point with fasting?
1: Yeah. So. It- the easiest way to look at this is it's the week before a woman has her period so about day 20. Okay. and here's what's so interesting is that what our the brilliant body does is it actually makes you more insulin resistant the week before your period why would it make you more insulin mm. resistant it needs glucose to be higher the other thing is every woman will tell you she craves more carbs the week before her period why It's not undisciplined. It's because the body needs glucose to make progesterone. So if there's anything a woman gathers from this conversation is make sure that you are bringing glucose up that week before your period and you should not be fasting the week before your period. Like, end of story. That's the easiest way to understand that.
0: Okay, and for how long?
1: Well, until they bleed, and then once the, the cycle starts over again, now you can go back to fasting. And in the book I mapped out, I have a, uh, something i call the fasting cycle. Mm-hmm. Uh, when we actually have an app now where you can go on and put the day that your cycle is, and it'll tell you what your options are for fasting and food. But it's really day 20 till you bleed. Here's the interesting thing. Some women have a 24-day cycle. Some women have a 28-day cycle. Some women have a 34-day cycle. Once again, right. we're all different. Right. So you've got, right as progesterone's coming in, day 20, around that moment, you're gonna wanna step out of fasting, you wanna make sure you're eating enough carbohydrates. For I call a, it, For about a week? Yeah, for about a week. Mm-hmm. And you, like nature's carbs. I'm not saying sit on the couch with a box of pizza and a tub of ice cream. I'm saying get some carb, car, you know, get that carb to level up so glucose can go up so you can make this crucial hormone that you need.
0: Right. And if you've been intermittent fasting, say you're having your first meal at noon, for example, this would be a good time to have a breakfast. Like That's a right. little bit earlier.
1: That's right. right. Yeah. You have to have a like you have to have a breakfast. You've got to get off the keto diet, which is really became really, really popular. And then all of a sudden the media grabbed a hold of that and said, Well, women shouldn't be doing keto and it was what they forgot to tell women was just don't do keto the week before your period. Because you need more glucose to be higher for progesterone's sake.
0: Mm. So we're cross training with your nutrition. That's cross training right. it paired with your cycle. That's Which right. Which makes sense right? to honor what your body's doing yep. and not honor this cookie cutter recommendation or format that you're quote supposed to do if you want to get these results.
1: That's right. And if it's you, you can go so deep in just this concept around progesterone because. Uh, What she wants is higher glucose, lower cortisol. So she wants to make sure you're not only eating enough carbohydrates, you're not, not only are you not fasting long, but you shouldn't be exercising to the extreme either. You shouldn't be working to the extreme. Like, I don't know if you know that Spain came up with a three-day menstrual leave. And they said that women could take three days in the out of the month at any point in their menstrual cycle and just to to rest and repair and my brain went oh well that should be the week before a woman's cycle because Mm -hmm. that's when we don't want cortisol high there should be more rest during that week so once you understand this it's like everything should change your workouts your social schedule the prioritizing sleep like we as women are meant to slow down the week before our periods and i know that sounds incredibly unfeminist and But that is how our body was designed, is Mm. to rest that week before. This
0: is so good. Just the past maybe two years, I've really finally, I've been with my wife for, I think we've been together maybe like 19 years now, something like that. And I'm just now really getting dialed in with her cycle and seeing the change. And of course, like. Her and I don't want to acknowledge that this is the thing, but literally, in that period, about a week before, she becomes more irritable. Yep. Yep. She becomes more sensitive. Yep. Right? She's just crying at a commercial. Like, what? What is it? What's going on? You know? And now, so if 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 we have a conflict, for example, that might arise, which there's a higher probability if you're not aware of this stuff, rather than me because of Mr. Logic over here. And, and looking for that, searching for a reason behind why this is happening versus like, oh, this is this, is this time right now. Yeah. It's not about logic. Yeah. It's about how you're feeling right now. And you don't want to deal with this. You don't want to deal with this stress. Let me help make conditions. Let me be even more compassionate. I could do that for a week. Yep. Right. I signed up for this to love unconditionally. Right. Mm. But then it's just like a little bit more difficult for a week. Boo hoo. Right. Yeah. But that's the thing that we do because we're not honoring each other. Yeah. Right. And especially me honoring her and just paying attention and giving her that space. Yeah. You know. And it. when I do that, man, it it benefits me so much. Like yep. it comes back. But it's just you know again our cultures. Pulled us away from paying attention to ourselves and yep. paying attention to each other. Yeah, you know,
1: so well said. So in the book, I call that the nurture phase, and the reason I wanted to call it the nurture phase is because I wanted women to understand that that week before her period, she needs to first nurture herself. But what you just said and what I heard and what you said was, you're that's the time to nurture your wife, and it's we are more irritable, and and I think in this modern world we're even more irritable because we're pushing through it. But if you look at the quality of progesterone that week before our cycle, we are meant to be more internal and and we're meant to slow down. And so when in this modern world, we're not doing that. So irritability is so high. I I had a dad come to me and um, this was last year and he was just starting to understand the hormones that I was teaching. And he said, I'm really having a struggle with my teenage daughter. And um, I said, do you you know what her cycle is? And he goes, oh, no, should I know? And I said, yeah, because if you have a teenage daughter who's just starting to, her cycle's just starting to kick in and get this ebbs and, and flow to it, the worst time to deal with a conflict with her is the week before her period. She is gonna completely shut down because she is not as stress resilient. Now, the flip side of that, the best time to handle a conflict with any woman is during ovulation because we've got estrogen at its peak. So estrogen makes us very verbal, makes us our mind very clear we have testosterone at its peak, between day 10 and day 15, which gives us motivation to actually work out a conflict with you. And we have a little bit of progesterone, so we're a little bit calm, calmer. So they're actually, once you start to look at the cycle, you yeah. go, oh, a woman is best to handle a, a tough situation during ovulation. And then she needs to, you need to g- give her rest and recovery and nurture the week before her cycle. And once you understand that, your communication goes through the roof.
0: This is so awesome. Dr. Mindy Pels. can you let everybody know what they can expect in Fast Like a Girl and also where they can get a copy?
1: Yeah, so the book was really split into several sections so they can expect the science behind six different fasts. I even tell men like the first section is really, you know, you can understand fasting hopefully at the deepest level possible. Um, And there's some great chapters in there about what we're talking about right now, about hormones. So for women that don't understand their hormones, you can see that, for men, they can see it. Um, And then in the end, I really give an application of like you can, there's a 30-day fasting reset, so you can kind of play with these principles. Um, But otherwise, yeah, you can find me, go to DrMindyPels.com, I put out new videos on YouTube all the time, so you can go to my YouTube channel, I've got a podcast, I'm kind of everywhere now.
0: Awesome. And by the way, the icing on the cake for you being here shout out to Mama Thorpe, my videographer, Connor, his mom, huge fan of your work. And, mm. you know, you, again, your YouTube channel is ridiculously valuable. Mm, so great resource for everybody. And pick up mm. Fast Like a Girl anywhere that books are sold. And this is not, again, this is not just for women, by right. the way. If you know a woman, you yes. probably wanna read this book, but also just the information. I was having aha moments throughout just, you know, re- reading through the book, but also giving the strategy, helping people to personalize things. Yeah. That's the ultimate. That's when you crack the code. It's a its a personal code. That's Your right. code is different, so you know? Well said. And uh, again, just thank you so much for the work that you're doing. It's just phenomenal. Thank oh, you.
1: Thank you. I, I loved this conversation. So appreciate you.
0: Awesome. I receive it dr mindy pelz everybody this is the end of the age of cookie cutter unless you're making cookies we need to stop using cookie cutter approaches to our health and fitness personalization is the wave of the future and the now but it depends on if you're connected to it and being a listener of the model health show you definitely are and i appreciate you so much for tuning in please pop over and check out dr mindy Pels on social media follow her she's incredibly insightful and of course pick up a copy of her book for yourself and for somebody that you care about we've got some epic masterclasses and world-class guests coming your way very very soon so make sure to stay tuned